Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. Welcome to another episode of Conversations About Light. I am Caleb, I'm your host, and I'm joined with Josh and Mark. How are we going this morning? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, a big good day to you. Uh, wow. <laughs> to me or to the listeners? Uh, and the listeners, yeah. <laughs> Why a big good day? Um, don't know. It's something I learned in Queensland. Yeah, that's how you say it. Wow. Not, not a small one. Let's do a big one. Big good day. <laughs> nice. Do you have uh, any response to that, Mark? <laughs> how do you respond to that, Josh? <laughs> yeah. Big good day to you too. That's right. That'll, that'll be right. Exactly right. Nice. Uh, if you're in Queensland, you grow a mullet and then you say big good day to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, before we move into the scripture today, which is Luke 22, verse 66 to 23, verse 25, um, I thought it'd be great just to dive a bit deeper into your guys' lives and oh. <laughs> and help the listeners know what you enjoy. Wow. Because <laughs> that's what the people want to oh. hear. <laughs> so start off with a real deep question. So what is your favourite sport and why? Go to you, Mark. Uh, Josh has joined the gym. Josh doing gym <laughs> is my favourite sport. <laughs> And because I imagine Josh in an MMA unitart with those earmuffs on, the wrestling uh, earmuffs, um, busy wrestling guys in the gym. With those, uh, yeah, those tight-fitting uh, leotards. Exactly. So I think it's a made-up sport. I don't even know if that's what happens in the gym, but that's what I imagine. I need to clarify my level at the UFC gym. Uh, last, <laughs> last night we were in a session where they do reps, so it's like, you know, they give you 10 exercises and you've got to do seven of them, then you've got to do 14 of them, then you've got to do 21. And, go. and one of them is press-ups. Well, the time I got to 21, I was doing the fake press-ups, you know, where you cross your on your knees and you do, And the instructor came and he lay down next to me and he's like, you're doing the fake press-ups wrong. Like, you've got to, this is how you have to do them. And, and then there's a bloke next to me and he stands up and, he's, and then he yells out to the whole group, oh, look at this guy. That's how you do a real press-up. And he's doing the full version, you know, like this. So, <laughs> yes, I'm at a UFC gym, but there's my, that's my level. He's like, he lies down next to me and says, you don't know how to do the fake ones. <laughs> wow. uh, uh, th- and then he announces to everyone, have a look at this bloke, which was not me. <laughs> Lesson in humility there. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is... televise that. <laughs> Mark, so... Your favourite sport is watching Josh go to the UFC gym? <laughs> Imagining. Imagining. I've, I've, n- I've never watched yeah. it. I just it, It's enough to imagine it. Yeah, it is. Do you have any yeah. uh, favourite sport? Or uh, I think that's enough on, on my sporting achievements. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> or lack of it. Well, um, let's jump into today's What, what about yours, reading. Caleb? <laughs> but before we jump into today's <laughs> reading, <laughs> my favourite sport... Well, I'm just going to answer seriously. <laughs> As we did. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. It's not imagining Josh in a tight leotard. <laughs> I, I enjoy um, anything to do with the ocean, so I love nice. being in the water and 
Um, sometimes I'm lucky enough to see Mark in a tight leotard. <laughs> I've been caught a wetsuit. Oh. <laughs> this is starting to sound like <laughs> yeah. a dating show. So of the three of us, I'm the only one who doesn't actually wear a tight leotard. So. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, let's jump into today's reading. This is a reading from Luke chapter 22, verses 66 and chapter 23 through 25, the English Standard Version. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priest and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in a splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at odds with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of the charges against him, neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, Nothing deserving death has been done by him, and I will therefore punish and release him. But they cried out all together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who has been thrown into prison for insurrection, started in the city, and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voice prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for murder and for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. What are you guys noticing within this scripture? Yeah, it starts out uh, almost humorously where it says, 
about the chief priests and the scribes, and they led him away to their council. <laughs> you've got the you've got God, the Son, creator of the heavens and the earth. The yeah. the word became flesh. And Luke is um, just picking up on the vibe that they have, that they think they have going. That that they le- <laughs> they led him away to their council, <laughs> and they've got it all going on. Like but they got control of it exactly. And we know why, because Jesus said in the previous section, you know, the hour of darkness is now. Yeah. Um, he said, actually, interesting. He said, uh, this is your hour, mm. the power of darkness. Um, I'm glad he didn't say this is your time because that would be almost indefinite, but this is your hour. It's a, it's a closed amount of time. It's not long. The power of darkness. So in, the, in darkness's moment, they are able to lead the Son of God to their counsel and yeah. do their worst because they're in this moment of darkness. But then um, it says just a little bit later, uh, from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. <laughs> so it's like... The power of you're in the power of darkness, and you may think that you can lead the Son of God to your council, but ultimately, the Son of Man is going to be next to the uh, seated next to the power of God. So it's just, I mean, there's a lot of um, this is what you think, but this is what really is happening. <laughs> this is what it looks like, but this is actually what God's doing in this text. Yeah, it's exactly how Jesus again knows everything, right? I'm ascending to this through this process. I am ascending to the right hand of Majesty. I'm the King of Kings and the Lord yeah. of Lords. It kind of breaks down that idea that Jesus, you know, came into Jerusalem and and things just went really bad for him. <laughs> it's like he's he, he rides into Jerusalem, but he knows I'm going through this. And I love what you're saying about it's just a small open window. Like I'll allow this because God already is in control of everything and knowing mm-hmm. what's coming. I think clearly the authority and of Jesus is seen here. I think also the other thing noticing in this text is the relationship between uh, Pilate and Herod and the kind of interaction that happens there. And then I guess also the crowd who shout, ends up shouting crucify him. So you've got these the chief priests who are ignoring what Jesus is saying, that he's the Messiah, clearly just states it. They ignore it. They want to do their worst to him. Mm. Pilate doesn't want to commit to a decision. The crowd is so every everything or just seems like you're saying, Mark, evil upon evil is happening in this moment, um, through through from from a human aspect, I guess, and uh, yeah, that's something that definitely noticing. It makes me think of that Old Testament text where it says, "Because they had no king in the land, everyone did as they saw yeah. fit." And here you have the King of Kings right before them, yeah, wow. but everyone does as they see fit because there's no king in the land. From their perspective, there's no king. Jesus is no king. And um, it does speak, at the moment it's quite easy to kind of chat about this text because we're speaking about it, at, you know, as far as them. Uh, it's far from us. It's how bad were those yeah. people. And they had no king, so they had thought that they did as they saw fit. Mm. But if I bring it a little bit closer to home and go, you know, mm. are there times where I do as I see fit? <laughs> and what does that speak about the king of my heart? Um, it does show me that I, I have a proneness to become the king of my heart and to do as I see, uh, see fit as well. Um, and thank God that um, my salvation is not dependent upon um, being any different in that sense. Yeah. And I think clearly they've decided not to listen to Jesus, which is sometimes the position we end up in when we follow our own hearts and we end up, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't want to listen to this right now. <laughs> 
then if maybe it's just me that experiences that sometimes you're like oh, no i don't i don't i know a friend who used to use worship music to drown out the voice of god you know so he'd be god would be speaking about doing something to, and he'd just turn up the worship music at, so at, <laughs> to try and ignore god yeah right this uh, so you don't have to be part of it right? there's just so many ways you can in a sense drown out god's voice be, just use almost anything even worship music oh I, yeah. i'm sure that we can use yeah. generosity yeah feel like god's speaking to me and piercing my heart i'm just gonna i want to avoid i'll go be generous with people or yeah. encouraging other people <laughs> um you know in other words i'm sure worship music isn't the only thing <laughs> yes. we can use to yeah. kind of get yeah. away from it yeah. <laughs> we we try um by the sounds of it like our altruistic nature we we try to make ourselves feel good by doing good right the crazy thing in this in that first part of the text as well is also they're ignoring jesus but then they're also breaking all the law right they're arresting him at night which wasn't supposed to happen and they're like you're a blasphemer and it's, it's they're talking telling god that he's a blasphemer <laughs> you know um the high priest rends his garment which apparently in the old testament you weren't supposed to do. so they, they just yeah. and so strange i think that's what happens with us or with me anyway it's like you make reasons to push God aside in a sense, but at the same time, you, what ends up happening is just like you're just going against God more and more. Right. You know? And that's kind of the, the place they end up in and the place um, I find myself ending up in quite often. Mm. Mm. I can see um, there's quite a few themes within this text about uh, injustices and authority. Uh, what do you notice about yeah injustice or authority? Injustice is always wrong, right? You can't... Injustice is wrong. It's objectively wrong. Everyone would agree. No one questions that. But God uses injustice to bring about the gospel, to bring about the good news. Not, not God causes injustice. Not God is unjust. Hmm. And so sometimes I think I see moments of injustice or I feel I'm encountering injustice. It's so unfair. Maybe that's a very low form of injustice. I've done so much, God. How come, you know? But then higher forms of injustice where people actually truly suffer um, as Christians or just in life in general. And, the, and there's the reality of you know, so many people experience real injustice. But God uses it. That over all of that, God is sovereign. Hmm. And as Christians, then, I think we're called to look outside the hour of darkness, look beyond it, be, look beyond the injustice, not, um, not, not uh, accept it, uh, cry from within the injustice, but reach out to the God who is over injustice and who is going to make all things good in the end. Yeah. Um, and so injustice is an opportunity to, uh, to trust God. It reminds me of the, of the text in Genesis where Joseph says to his brothers, you intended this for evil, but yeah. God meant it for yeah. good. And so their intent was evil. They should never have thrown him in the pit. You know, don't, don't go and do that because genesis says you know god god wants you to throw your brother in a pit yeah. no that was completely evil but but god was able to rescue and uh, god was using even the evil intent of their heart to work out his incredible salvation yeah. plan and this is like a even a starker picture to me of that yes you know the the chief priests trying to cruci- get him crucified yeah. um, the crowd shouting for his crucifixion pilot uh, eventually handing him over and even while we are let's say, resisting God or even acting in opposite ways, God is still able to yeah. bring about good purposes. And that's, that's incredible. I mean, the cross is the, the greatest picture of that in a sense, as much as Joseph's story is. But this is the story of how injustice 
is rescued and turned around by God. Yeah. Not that injustice should be committed, but that rescue is God is still able to rescue. The, the story you're using is a really great one because it's that moment where Joseph is able to get justice. Yes. It's in the moment of where injustice turns to justice that he chooses not to get justice and yeah. instead he chooses restoration. Yeah. So there's this gospel picture. Christ, yeah. And, you know, so I'm not going to do to you what I should do to you wow. because actually over all this is a sovereign God who plans all these things. And so I, I think there's this beautiful picture of the gospel. The cross of Jesus is not just a picture of uh, God's justice, but yeah. more it's a picture of God's restoration. And if we forget that, we will forget that we deserve to be punished greatly. And justice would be us getting getting what we deserve, right? Yeah. And so the gospel is more about a sovereign God who is working to restore yeah. against injustice, us rebelling from him. And so how does that get worked out in my life when I'm experiencing injustice or I have enemies or I have opportunities to get my to get justice, to get back at some something? Can I trust yeah. that actually there's something greater that God has always been doing? Yeah. I say this to my kids sometimes. Do you, when, they're, when they're complaining about an injustice, then I offer them justice. <laughs> and, but how, it's quite quickly, it, just sw- it swings against you. You, know? <laughs> like, so, oh, you, you did that to, this, the, one of the kids did this to you? Okay, I'll punish him. But also um, all of these things have happened and would you like punishment for all of those? <laughs> and very quickly... You know, the plea for justice turns to a plea for mercy. Very good. And the the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realize I don't want justice at all. I just want, (laughs) I want to know God. I want to rely upon his grace and his mercy. And I think while justice ought to be measured out from the human perspective, we don't want it. We want, we want God to rescue us from, from ourselves. It's a better way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing it to a close, uh, maybe there's a thought you could leave us with or perhaps even a, a question that we can go into the week um, reflecting upon. Um, I'll just add a thought and then maybe Mark can give us a question. Um, Pilate and Herod here become friends, it says, over there kind of wanting to not deal with Jesus or wanting to, uh, you know, uh, Herod dresses him up as a king and sends him back in a purple robe and, and Pilate's like, oh, good one. <laughs> you know, they kind of, uh, I think uh, Pilate's wife had also had a dream, and in which she said, "Don't, uh, don't uh, condemn this man." So he's superstitiously not wanting to do anything as well. He's like, "Oh, let me see if I can not do anything," because he's worried about this dream. I think I'm just wondering about our own our own responses and relationships, in what ways we use them, maybe to push Jesus to the side. So Pilate's. Pilate's got his wife, and, and he's like, oh, "I don't want to sort of do this because it might be it might be a bad omen." So I'm sort of, you know, I don't want to do this to Jesus. I think sometimes we can be the same. We gather um, those around us. Let's say we are trying to push Jesus away in some way. We normally gather those our buddies who think the same. You know, like if you're doing something you shouldn't be, normally you find three other people who are also doing that, and you'll go, "Yeah, Jesus is for us doing this," yeah. <laughs> and it's often not. So I'm just wondering. This, in this text, there seems to be a lot of pushing Jesus away. The, the, the chief priests are doing it. Herod and Pilate are doing it. And they buddies over it now. Um, the crowd is shouting, get rid of Jesus. I'm just wanting the application to ourselves. How do we use, maybe gather friends around us that help us to do that? Or in what ways do we push, push Jesus to the side of our lives? 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, Josh. I think it's quite subversive. Uh, for us, you read verse 20, it says, um, Pilate desired to release Jesus. Then verse 24, Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. Yeah. Pilate desired to release Jesus, Pilate decided. Yeah. Pilate desired, Pilate decided. Yeah. Two different things. And we may sometimes feel, yeah, I desire to walk with Jesus. Yes, I desire to do yeah. his will. Yes, I desire to make him king. But I've decided not to i've decided yeah. to follow the crowd i've decided to let my will reign in this area yeah. um and and if we can acknowledge that the, both those things can exist in our lives we're probably in a good place to deal with our hearts yeah. one, one question maybe to leave with everyone just going back to the bigger text not just this relational aspect but to the bigger text that's a lot about god's sovereignty over the power of darkness the power of god is over the power of darkness the power of god will last forever the hour of darkness was limited and so trusting god beyond injustice is in what ways does this passage help you adore and worship god knowing who he is knowing what he's doing in spite of all the pain and suffering in what ways does this passage help you adore and worship god Thanks for joining us today. To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends. 